Welcome to the Covenant Journey Podcast. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love of our Lord Jesus as we explore the timeless treasures of the Bible. Join us now as we explore God's Word. In this Covenant Journey Bible Podcast, we're going to continue our journey through the Holy Land. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Covenant Journey. We began our journey in Capernaum, where is the place Jesus performed most of his ministry. Lots of miracles performed there in Capernaum. But actually, we want to begin now, uh, kind of go back to Nazareth, because even though he began in Nazareth, and that's where he ultimately grew up, born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, performed most of his ministry in Capernaum, in the northern part of Israel, he actually returned to Nazareth, after he had been performing his ministry in Capernaum for a period of time, because he had performed a lot of miracles in Capernaum, and the word of the miracles literally began to be heard around the area. And so he finally comes back to Nazareth, and that particular passage is in Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, will come back to that in a few moments. But it's in Luke 4 where Jesus then reads the scriptures, and we will read that in a few moments. But let me give you a little background about Nazareth. As I said, Jesus was obviously born in Bethlehem as a fulfillment of prophecy. But when he and his family fled to Egypt to get away from the maniacal Herod who wanted to kill him and then ultimately searched out for baby boys two years old and under, they fled to Egypt. And then after Herod died, they came back, but instead of going to Bethlehem, they went over to Nazareth, and this is where Jesus was raised. And this is where he ultimately returned after the word of his miracles began to circulate following his ministry and miracles in Capernaum. So, Nazareth at the time of Jesus was an agricultural village, probably less than 200 near the Jezreel Valley. It was very small. No wonder why there was that statement, could anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was insignificant. It's about 70 miles north of Jerusalem, 20 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea, and is 1,300 feet above sea level. In the first century, Nazareth lay at an intersection of several major regional trade routes. Rome placed a garrison nearby to enforce its law over the Galilee. Nazareth is not mentioned in the Old Testament, though the Gospel of Matthew writes that the prophets predicted Jesus would be, quote, called a Nazarene, close quote. That's found in Matthew chapter 2, verse 23. This likely refers to Isaiah 11.1, 1, where it refers to the Messiah as a, quote, branch, close quote, that would stem from the root of Jesse, who is the father of King David. The Hebrew word for branch is Nazar. Depending on how it is pronounced, the root word can also mean consecrated. So this word, Nazar or branch in in Isaiah chapter 11, 1, that the Messiah will come from a branch, is that Hebrew word Nazar. That is the basis of the name of Nazareth. It is also the basis of a Nazarite vow. 
It was in Nazareth where the angel Gabriel told the Virgin Mary that she would give birth to a child and name him Jesus. After the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt to escape King Herod, as I mentioned. But after his death, they then returned to Nazareth, where Jesus lived until he began his public ministry. And you can read about that in Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. Following his baptism by John and the time that he spent in the desert and the temptations that he confronted by Satan in the desert, Jesus then made Capernaum his headquarters or his central location for his ministry. And when he returned to the synagogue in Nazareth, he then read the Messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61. And that begins in Isaiah 61, is quoted in Luke 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. This is after he had been tempted in the wilderness, and he begins his ministry. He comes back from being tempted in the wilderness. He overcomes those temptations by Satan earlier in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Luke. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding area. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He entered, as his custom was, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to deliver those who are crushed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fastened on him. He then began to tell them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All testified about him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is, Isn't this Joseph's son? And Jesus then says, Doubtless you will tell me this parable. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do here also in your own town. He said, Most certainly I tell you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. Now he goes on to another passage, which I'll talk about in a few moments. But Jesus is raised in Nazareth. He goes into the desert to begin his ministry. That was the very beginning of his ministry. He's baptized, as you see in the book of Matthew, shortly after that. He goes into Capernaum, and that's where he has been doing his miracles. So now Jesus comes back to Nazareth, and the word of his reputation that he is a miracle worker, that amazing things are happening, He's healing people, even raising them from the dead. He's got this following, and now he's coming home. So this hometown boy comes home. And the people are excited because they knew him from little. He was raised there in that small little town. Everybody knew everybody, and Jesus was there in this very small, insignificant place. Isn't it amazing that God would ultimately have the Messiah, his son, 
live in this very insignificant place? No wonder why Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? No, I mean, there's nothing talked about in the scriptures about Nazareth. It's a small, insignificant town. Maybe at the time of Jesus, as I said, less than 200 people live there. There's an original wine press that has been discovered there. It's possible that Jesus actually, with the other children and the women, actually walked on those grapes to crush the grapes for wine. But it's a very small place. Jesus now comes back to this place. And he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath, as is his custom. And back then, as now, you begin by reading a scripture from the law, from the law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. There's a scripture that's being read on that Shabbat, that Sabbath day. And there's also a scripture then after that that is read from the prophets. You have the law and the prophets. You see those words, law and prophets, in the New Testament. It's referring to the whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets. So the law, the Torah, someone had already read from that. And now it's the time to read from the prophets. It is possible that this particular reading on that Sabbath was already preordained as Isaiah 61, providentially that this is the day that Jesus comes to read it. But it's also possible that Jesus selected that specifically. Either way, God ordained Isaiah 61 to be read and Jesus read it. And this is a prophetic portion of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, where it is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That word in Hebrew, anointed, is Mashiach. That's where we get Messiah, the anointed one. Mashiach is the Hebrew word for that. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and that is the Spirit of Yahweh is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to deliver those who are crushed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that is part of the reading. Now what was amazing is Jesus then looked up at the group and he looked around. He closed the book, which is actually a scroll, so when you're thinking of it as a book, it's really a scroll. He rolls the scroll back up. He gives it over to the attendant. He sits down. The eyes of the whole synagogue were fastened on him, waiting to hear what he was about ready to say because they knew that this was a messianic passage. And then he said these amazing words. Today, this scripture, this messianic prophecy, has been fulfilled in your hearing as you hear it. It is being fulfilled. It has been fulfilled right now. And they were amazed at him. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? So Jesus then gives that story. You're going to ask me to do the miracles here in Nazareth that you hear about me doing and performing in Capernaum, in your own hometown. Do here what you've done in Capernaum. We've heard that. We want to see it here. But then he says, you know, but a prophet's not acceptable in his own hometown. And then he gives them two stories. And you have to wonder, how did they go from marveling at Jesus to wanting to throw him off the precipice and killing him? Well, it's because he gave this story and they knew exactly what he was saying. Verse 25, Luke chapter 4. 
But I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. Elijah was sent to none of them except Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Hmm. Elijah gets sent to someone who's not Jewish. But he continues, Then there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now look what happens in verse 28. They were all filled with wrath in the synagogue as they heard these words. They rose up, threw him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill that their city was built on, that they might throw him off the cliff. But he, pressing through their midst, went his way. He then came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. They understood exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus gave this illustration of Elijah, and Elijah was sent to this Sidonian woman to ultimately give her a miracle, not to a Jew. Then Elisha, his successor, not one of those other Jews were cleansed, but God sent him to a non-Jew, Naaman, the Syrian. What is he saying to them? Look, God has other people in his flock, and it's not just Jewish. It's others, like in Elisha's time, like in Elijah's time. And Jesus is bringing the gospel. He's bringing the gospel, the good news, his prophecy that has just been fulfilled is a prophecy for all to preach the good news to the poor, Jew and Gentile, to send uh, and heal the brokenhearted, Jew and Gentile, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to deliver those who are crushed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord for both Jew and Gentile. You remember Jesus on the cross in John uh, and other places in the Gospels, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The amazement there of Jesus was that he ultimately brought the good news. He healed those who were brokenhearted. He brought the good news and made sure that it was for everybody and that everybody understood that. No wonder why they wanted to kill him. Because for some of those people including the Apostle Paul. The good news was only for the Jews. And Paul grew up in that particular environment where only the Jews were the selected ones. Now, the Jews have a very special place in history. But as we know, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither free nor slave, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel is for all of us. The good news is that Jesus came, and his gospel is not limited by ethnicity, by race, by gender. His gospel is a saving gospel for all of us, and not only for all of us in terms of our birth, but in terms of the mistakes that we make, that Jesus is here to heal your broken heart, to bring good news to you, to ultimately give release where you have been bound, 
to set it free those who are captives. I encourage you to read the Word of God. It is powerful, it is transformative, and press into our Lord Jesus Christ. For more information, visit covenantjourney.org. You've been listening to the Covenant Journey podcast. We hope that we have informed, inspired, and encouraged you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love for our Lord Jesus as we've explored the Word of God. Visit covenantjourney.org where you can obtain additional notes and information to enhance your study of the Scriptures. The website again is covenantjourney.org. You can also email us at cj at covenantjourney.org. Share this podcast with your friends. Visit covenantjourney.org.